Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cotton Yarns, the podcast for Australian cotton growers where we'll pick the brains of the best and brightest of our industry to help you get the most out of your crop. G'day everyone and welcome back to another episode of Cotton Yarns. We've finally got planting out of the way. It took forever but we're finally done. We've got cotton out of the ground which is great to see although it may be a little bit slow in some areas. But today I'm going to be talking to Dean Hamblin from Madden Agriculture based out of the Lower Nemoy around the decision making process for first irrigation and then we'll go into a little bit of detail about setting your crop up for first flower. How we like the crop to look at first flower and then focus on some of the considerations we might be facing down the barrel of another cooler, shorter season this year. So let's get into it. Heard it was a bit cool up that way there the other day. Or yeah, week. no, we we had a shocker. It was cold and windy and yeah. yeah. It takes a cotton about three days to recover from a day like that. So it doesn't help at all. No, it's been a bit um, been a bit funny down here too, to be honest with you. I can't believe how even this afternoon, just coming back in, I was in shorts today, but you almost felt like I wanted to put a jumper on. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, it was a fine all day, like fairly warm, you know, 27, 28, 29 degrees. And yeah, just come in this afternoon, she's just dropped like five degrees just like that. Yeah. Fresh fresh mornings too, if I don't help. But anyway, it's hopefully some warm weather. Looks like next week, a bit of chance of rain, so you never know. Could be a cool change come back through again. Yeah, yeah. No, I think we're meant to get, oh, meant to get an inch here. Far out, we need it. Yeah, it's a bit like that, mate. There's some people over here be looking for some water. We're going to be gearing up to start seconding crop oh, probably next week. Yeah. Most of most of, our, most of our country, yeah, she's, she's drying out quick. Like it's starting to find its feet, I guess, and starting to use it. So, yep. Um, now that win, most of the winter crop's off. Yeah, yeah. Have you had like many insects come in off the winter crop? Oh, mate, it's <laughs> never never any battle that we started oh we did our first lot of treatments there just losing a fair bit of our early fruit and a few suckers coming in adbs and uh, myriads yep and um so anyway i've done one treatment and we've had to follow up this week just got another influx coming in myriads and that so yeah right but anyway a bit of few mites floating around too being so windy i guess you're coming off all the native stuff and some of the wheat crops and barley crops around and it's been fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting, could be an uh, interesting year for her, I think. So. Bloody ice. With all the all the vegetation around and some water after the floods, they're going to be pretty thick, I think. Oh, I think so, mate. They're just, yeah, they've had plenty of good harbouring around, so it's going to be, going to make our job interesting, that's for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, last thing growers want to get used to only doing two or three insecticides in a given year and all of a sudden you might be doing four or five that's it especially it's been so bloody soft the last couple of years coming out of the drought like we sort of haven't had a really bad year with them yet yeah no that's right mate so i've been pretty fortunate i guess and we haven't had too much trouble with white fly over the last couple of years but we've been pretty going pretty soft and using some beneficials as well so it's been working well for us but yeah, this right. Year could be an interesting one. So. Have you guys done any of the um, like dropping the beneficials out of drones or anything like that? Any of that work? Uh yeah, we started doing that back when they first were pushing a bit of it. Oh, going back six years ago now. Yeah. But then we transitioned into a newer system. Steve's sort of Madden, who I work for, he's come up with a like a capsule system. 
that you can biodegradable. Yep. So we, we've transitioned to that for the last couple of years now and find it quite effective. And a few other consultants like Mike Stone and those and a couple up north, Jamie Street, um, they're all sort of starting to use it now too. Yeah, right. That's I hadn't spread them. Uh, just by a Cessna. Um, yep. Night at Spray Tech, Paul Knight. Spray Tech down here just loads up. You've got like a hopper system or GPS and, yeah, spreads them on a, I think it's a 100 metre. No, it might be 70, 75, 100, yeah, 75, 100 metre swath and two like two capsules per hectare sort of works out to be roughly. Yep. So, yep. And we're just trialling some stuff in, in, in corn this year with Tricker Gamma. So same sort of same concept, loading up some capsules and on for Healy's. So. Yep, yep. But the jury's out just yet. We haven't had too much. Given the amount of egg lays we've had early this year, we haven't seen a lot of grubs following through with damage. So maybe there is something there going on. So yep. it's just hard, hard. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Covering yeah, hectares, but anyway. It's all fun and games, mate. That's it, mate. It's, it might be a bit a little bit late, but we're originally going to have a yarn about first irrigation. But I mean, there's a lot of that happening at the moment. We we, we can sort of work our way into into setting up the crop for first flower, which will probably, like you said before, involve another irrigation before then. But mate, do you just yeah. want to introduce yourself first to kick off? Yeah, mate, can do. Yep. So Dean, I'm Dean Hamlin with Madden Agriculture down here, based in the Nemwe Lower. And just, just bordering into the upper Nemwe from anywhere out sort of Wee War through to Brogabri East. Yep. Been doing agronomy for seven seven seasons now with Steve, with Madden Ag and before that with CGS as a sales agronomist when I first finished uni for about 18 months. Yep. Oh, that's enjoy game. being. Well, you've, you've probably experienced both ends of the spectrum, mate. You would have come in right in the thick of the drought and then here we are. All these years later, and you know we've got more water than we know what to do with. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I've definitely seen it, seen it all. Coming from a farming background too, out this way, we yeah, been through the droughts and the floods. So yeah, it's yeah. good to be Especially busy again. lately, mate. Like, you know, we've gone some from such terrible conditions throughout planning, and now you know we've had to irrigate like we would as if we were in a dry season um, with our first irrigation a fair way, you know, before first flower. But, yeah, so what have you seen down there around the Nar- in the NAMO in terms of, you know, how have you made your decisions around that first irrigation? Well, I guess just a lot of it's been out in the field, you know, with a shovel, digging and just seeing how the plants have sort of coped coming out of that cold, wet, unusual start for this area, I would say. Um, and just seeing how they're sort of, with the root development, being a little bit sort of slower this year, I guess, because the plant vigour being steady. Yeah, just being out there seeing what sort of how they're responding, how they're looking. We get around things mostly within the three or four-day period, each check. So yeah, you get a pretty good year if it's starting to kick on or if it's starting to look a little bit, you know, darker, looking for a bit of moisture, just needs a bit of a kick on. Um, so that's sort of how we did a lot of our first irrigations this year and just been just seeing how much it's opened up like being so wet all of a sudden we went into yeah almost within a week that it just completely changed the condition in the field like just cracked open the whole hill up down to sort of 20 centimeters deep yep just sort of pruning those feeder roots so all of a sudden 
the players just all sort of they just was you could just see they're just starting to struggle a little bit. So we just sort of made the decision that yeah, it's time to get get into it and give them a bit of a drink to try and encourage a bit more growth and encourage them to kick on a bit. This season would have been, you know, probably one of the most tricky from being so soft. You want to find that balance between, you know, not babying your cotton um, early on. You want to get that root development. You want to get that tap root down. So if it does dry out later in the season, you've got it's the plant's got that ability to to explore that moisture a little way down. You see it a lot in in overhead irrigation where you sort of get those roots. You know, they might only go down, you know, thirty, forty centimeters because of the, consistent irrigation but yeah this this year's been bloody tricky finding that fine line between you know i guess the plant was you know starting to stress but that sort of would have happened you know in a couple of days it wouldn't have been a gradual thing like you said it just went from so wet to so dry in such a short period of time yeah i think so and i think because we were probably fortunate enough the first irrigation being later this year given we've had so much rain but a lot of those rains came in some pretty heavy downfalls. So I'd say like a lot of it seemed to seal the top off. So really the, it was in the top sort of 20 centimetres where your roots were early was more of a cloddier, blockier moisture yeah. rather than a nice consistent um, textured moisture. Um, so you could really see that, yeah, when you pull a, dig a few plants out of the shovel, you could just see the changing in the root structure and as they dodging, you know, it's slight dry, cloddier, Still pushing down, but just a lot weaker, not as vigorous as most years you would when you, you know, chuck your seed in the ground and water up and, you know, you get, you know, we get three or four weeks out of it. Yeah. Um, and as cotton gets grown, you get a, you start getting a few fruiting branches, you get to about 12, 14 nodes and you, you're into your first irrigation. Whereas, yeah, this year it's just sort of been such a dragged out two months almost sitting in the ground there and, doing your first irrigation now at the same at the same time at 10 12 nodes it's just just been so slow but just not full 100% moisture there for plants to really develop when it did warm up so yeah yeah and probably another factor because we're having to irrigate so early is um because of the late season last year we didn't get a I don't know what you guys had down in the Nemo, but especially up here and, and further west out to St George um where I am you know we didn't get a whole lot of time to get any any steel into the fields and, and, you know, get the pr- ground prep we would have liked. So, yeah, we do have that sort of really cloddy leftover soil from last year. And I've seen, even seen it in dryland, you know, three inches below, or not even that, an inch below the surface, we've got a lot of moisture. But it's, you know, it's the roots can barely penetrate it because it's so dense because it's been so wet for so long. It's almost, you know, like lifting bricks out of the ground trying to come up. It's it's just a funny one, yeah. Yeah, no, we've had a bit bit of that down here um, as well, I think, I'd say. And it wasn't that guys didn't have their country ready. Like a lot of our country, we don't have, we don't have a lot of back-to-back um, per se, but the stuff was developed early. But the problem is it was developed so long ago, back in March, pulled up. And it's been sitting there, a lot of that's because it's on sort of a steeper, well-draining country. It's sort of almost like the moisture hasn't fully gone in. It's sort of like you might have got maybe 20 mil out of your 50 or 60 mil rain events every time. Yeah. So it's, it wasn't wasn't 100, 100%. Like there was mud deep down underneath it. But, you know, as you know, your top your roots don't develop that quick, fast enough to get access to that. So you really got to watch that top 30, 40 centimetres in that early season and make sure, you know. Yeah, yeah. 
you've pretty well covered all the all the sort of things you need to look at around first irrigation. And like you said, getting out there with the shovel and, and digging up to to have a look at those roots is probably the best way to do it earlier on because, you know, you, you saw moisture probe, you know, so you've got a probe through, through Goanna or any other tech providers isn't going to tell you a whole lot up the top. Um, like it will tell you soil moisture, but I think it's really important to pull those plants out and have a look at the root system and, and see what they're actually doing um, before you make that decision. Did you guys have um, many of your growers apply their in-crop fertiliser on this irrigation or were you sort of waiting for that second irrigation closer to flowering? Um, no, we've had, we've had a few guys sort of get, get into it. Um, they tried to do it before that first irrigation, probably, yeah, it might have been maybe 60%. Guys jump tried to jump in, spread some spread some urea and um just gave it a quick cultivation just to repitch the hills a bit more than anything so that when they did that first irrigation the water would run the furrows properly. Whereas other guys they're sort of, you know, a little bit antsy and, and I tend to agree with them. Like I don't like stretching that first irrigation. I think that early plant vigor and growth and root development is crucial. Um I don't mind stretching the second irrigation before flowering, but there was guys that are going, you know, we need to irrigate. So we've, they just, yeah, chucked in the buckets and away they went and started irrigating and they're gearing up to fertilise and cultivate this this round, yep. which the cotton's still up 12, 14 nodes, so it can handle it um, without too much root pruning and that sort of stuff. So they're about to, yeah, about to crack into that now and then they'll probably follow again with a second irrigation next week, mid, late next week. So Yep, yep. They'd be sort of getting pretty close to flowering for that second irrigation, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, I think we'll probably start. We should see some, yeah, some probably some flowers maybe at Christmas. But the bulk of them won't probably come until a week or so later, probably in the new year this year. Just things are a bit delayed down here, a lot later than what we'd normally be. Probably two weeks behind where we'd normally sit. Yeah, we normally like to see some flowers before Christmas, but just given we've only just sort of started setting squares, you know, in the last sort of ten days, it's just I just can't see too many flowers coming in before Christmas with this early insect pressure too, knocking a few squares around. Yeah, for a bit sure. I think we're going to see the same thing up here. Like go through all my CSD variety trial sites, and I enter them in the Steph, which is our our tool that estimates the first flower date. And yeah, ninety percent of them, you know, were planted around the usual time, and we usually get flowers sort of just before Christmas. But yeah, we're sort of looking in that first, even pushing into that second week of of January this year just because of those cold conditions. I haven't had a good look at our weather tool to see how many day degrees we're behind exactly, but I know we are a fair way behind, mate. But, um, you know, when, yep. when you're approaching first flower, what do you guys, do you guys have any, how do you want your crop to look once it reaches first flower? I guess, do you guys have any guidelines that you, you sort of stick by to have your crop looking? So, for example, you know, eight nodes above white flower is a pretty common one, but any others like that? Um, yeah, look, we try and we try and shoot the nine ten nodes above white flower if we can. We yep. like to have yeah. That's this is what that's why I get back to saying I don't like to stretch that first irrigation too much. Because that I I, find, I feel like that just sets you up. If you don't slow the crop down at all and doesn't take a week to recover whether you've stretched it too long and you then you waterlog it. Um when you do your first irrigation and it just slows it right back for another three or four or five days, week setback. We like it to sort of keep trying to punch on. Um, and try and get those nine, ten nodes because we know in January we get some extreme heat. You know those nodes can come up pretty quick yeah, yeah, if we're not careful. Sure. So we do we do like to see it. I sort of like to see it. Yeah, around that 
oh, ideally we'd like to start seeing some flowers at 16, 17 nodes if we can, even up to 18. I think it'll be more like 20 <laughs> this year um, before we start to see some flowers. But I like, to, yeah, I like to see a nice, sort of well developed, sort of two finger width nodes and around that 18, 20 nodes if we can get it and pretty vigorous. Um, not not too many vegetative branches in amongst it if we can help it. So, so I find some, yeah, early picks is probably fairly well used with us. We probably get going in probably that 12, 14 nodes. We start to think about putting just little licks of picks on just to make sure it just stays regulated because it'll want to jump after the fertilizer and the water and yeah. just sort of keep it fruity more than anything. Yeah, that's, so. that's an interesting one, that earlier picks. I, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but like you guys said, you've, you've seen some stuff in the past and probably one of my yep. next episode, I'm, I'm getting um, one of the researchers from CSIRO to jump on and talk about picks and some of the work they've done. But yep. yeah, that's a big one. And having, like you said, a higher nodes above white flower does give you that, you know, sets a crop up early. If you do run into that heat, you know, you've, you've got your nodes punched out and you know if you do get a big heat wave that knocks a plant around it won't quickly race to cut out i guess you've got a bit of a buffer there just about creating a buffer yeah pretty much like you just said mate it's, it's that buffer period what you want a bit of, bit of grace there because sometimes you know if someone for instance there's not no father own but if you have an issue or you get extreme heat and can't get around your cotton in a timely manner then in your, with your irrigation cycle all of a sudden you, you're going to have a few days up your sleeve there um, if you if you get that nine ten nodes before above that first flower, it sort of sets you up to give you a good grace period. If that makes sense, yeah, for um, sure, for sure. We've we've seen that a lot in our our yield um, predictor tool, Barry. It's um so our first snapshot is that first flower when you can get an indication of yield. Of course, it's only an indication on that day. It doesn't represent anything that may happen after the first flowering period, but there are a lot of metrics of the crop that do contribute to yield um, at first flower, and those do include, you know, things like retention, nodes above um, white flower height is another big one. I think um, another thing to note too is some people's soils, if the, you know, if you know the variation, whether it be sodic at depth, some guys like to keep them tight intervals because they don't want those roots getting down into that depth, into that sodic issues where they could start losing fruit, um, slowing the plant down, causing stress um, that way. So that's another another trigger too, just back on that irrigation and, and the timing of your first and second irrigations. Um, yeah, most of our soils down here are pretty heavy clays and pretty deep, but there is a few yeah, a few areas and a few pockets amongst it where it's a bit more sodic. Um, yep. So I think it's important to know to know your yeah your areas. Um, know your soil um, and just have a management plan in place before you even crack into the season, really. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, sort of leading into flowering and, and, you know, possibly the shorter flowering period we might see this year just because of the cool conditions. I mean, it's a possibility. Obviously, you can't predict what's going to happen, but are you sort of looking at anything different management-wise that you've learned over the past so the previous two years where they have been a little bit milder? Um, yeah, I think um, I think that's where I've just some of the trials I've been doing um, on a couple of farms with a couple of growers um, the last, well, particularly last year and the year before where we did this early picks, um, just keeping that fruit, getting some 
squares on at six and seven nodes rather than eight, nine, ten, um, just a couple of nodes earlier. Yep. So really pretty much making it transition into that reproduction phase a little bit quicker and maintaining it and just really start to load up on those sort of finding the second, probably more so the third and fourth and even some fifth position fruiting um, the last couple of years by keeping that plant more regulated and um, I guess more like a compact Christmas tree, just yep. really trying to just trying to keep it fruiting as much as we can, put as many, many fruit, much as fruit on as we can early because, yeah, knowing that we had a cold, wet start, we're slower, potentially definitely going to be less day degrees for our crop because we don't want to run into issues come harvest time when we could could turn wet again. So you're really trying to still bring it in in that by March. Yeah, you really got a short window to um, to manage that yeah. and just make sure try and keep that high retention. I think is a probably one thing we'll be doing this year is just trying to trying to maintain seventy five above or even eighty if we can get up to there and above consistently. Yeah, throughout sure. the season, we're not trying to. You know, if you, you know, I I agree with a lot of the retention work and all that, and I know Paul Gundy's doing some good work at the moment, but I just feel like in a year like this set so far back to where we normally would be, you know, you can't afford to run 40, 50, 60% retention because you don't have the end of the season. You might not have that period to catch it up. Yeah. You don't want to be running last year with harvest and wet and then get quality issues. That's the other thing that comes in. You've got to think about too is what effect that has on quality at the end of the day because um, you get deducted pretty well for for um, colour. Oh, yeah. Um, my- yeah, you've you've only got to look at what's happened to the guys in the south that, you know, have had that crop developing sort of too late into the back end of the season and and getting some, you know, not only colour and trash but getting absolutely smashed with micronear penalties and and things like yep. that. So you're right, and you know that that bottom fruit does bring down that having that bottom fruit that de- has more time to develop and develops earlier will bring down the chances of of having low mic issues. That's right. Just keep, I think is important, and and don't get me wrong. If you lose some of that bottom fruit, it'll put it on on some of the lateral positions. In, you know, in in those second and third positions, there's no doubt about it. But again, you still got to have the season, that growing period, to get that to achieve that. So, I just think, yeah, this year's you know important ones. Yeah, maintaining that early retention and trying to minimise the stress in the in the management units that you can control, such as your nutrition and your water. Yeah, can be pretty crucial. Like we can't control the environment, but um, you can always all you can do is just hope that it goes your <laughs> goes your way. And uh, like I said, just manage what you can and hope for the rest. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. No, very good, right, mate. Well, I think we've sort of covered everything there. And like you said, you know what what would be some of your top tips? I think you you know for growers going into their first or more than likely their second irrigation, like you mentioned, of keeping your retentions a little bit higher this season and maybe having it um, a bit more of a regimented sort of pest control program, I guess, or a little bit more intensive pest control program, mate. But do you sort of have any other main main tips for growers? Oh, I just think we've got to be pretty vigilant in monitoring, I guess, your weather too, a little bit, looking at those seven days, um, 16-day forecasts. Because I think disease probably comes into play this year a little bit too. Um, yeah, for being sure. a colder, colder, wetter period, um, chance of La Nina still. So we know what that brings. Um, but I think you've got to trust, trust your instinct. 
you know, a lot of guys have been growing a long time. They've seen the different cycles. I know every year's different, but yeah, you just got to trust that and yeah, manage what you can manage, you know, which is your nutrition and your water and, you know, to a degree, your, your fruit load. Um, so, yeah, retention yep. if you can. And outside of that, don't no point trying to control things you can't that are out of your hands. Um, That's right. But yeah, I know one thing I've always been told was you, you know, when you put that seed in the ground, you get a stand, you're starting with your five or six bales. It's every decision that you make or condition that you face after that, you just start coming back. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Take that approach and maintain and manage what you can manage. You'll be right. Yeah. Right, mate. Well, I won't keep you for too long, mate. So thank you for giving us some of your time in this busy time of the year, mate. I know you guys are absolutely flat out. So. So thanks again, no, mate. Appreciate the uh, opportunity, mate. All good. Good to have a chat. Rightio, big thank you to Dean for joining me there today. Gave us some really, really good insights into into making that decision around the first irrigation. You know, it's not as easy as just having a quick look at the field and saying, yep, we need an irrigation. You've got to get out there and dig around a little bit, especially to see how your root, your root system is progressing down through that profile. You don't want to baby the crop and and run the risk of waterlogging or anything like that. So some really, really good good tips there, and as well as setting your crop up for first flower, um, like I said earlier, it is using our yield prediction tool, Barry, it is the first snapshot that we can actually make a relatively accurate yield prediction on the day. So it was good to hear Dean talk about some of those metrics that are in Barry and used to predict yield, like, you know, your plant vigor, so your plant height and nodes above white flower. So... Some really, really good tips there. So, yeah, it's, it's it's a really, really important time of the year in terms of, you know, getting your final fertiliser in the ground to, to set that crop up for the rest of the season and, and to really monitor the, the crop going into first flower. You know, you want to minimise stress during that period as much as possible. It is the most crucial period of, of the crop growth in terms of setting up for yield. So that's it from me, everyone. Good luck, have a good Christmas, and I'll chat to you next time. <music>